We live in a world of dynamic cyber threats, but one thing is clear, human behavior is the most vulnerable target for attacks. Welcome to Behave by CyberSafe, the foremost cybersecurity podcast focused on human cyber risk. Organizational awareness is no longer enough, so how will your team stay protected? Be sure to subscribe to Behave on your preferred listening app for cutting edge insights into our evolving industry and stay ahead of the shift to security behaviors and human risk quantification. Enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Behave podcast. I'm Munya Hoto, the VP of Marketing here at CyberSafe. And today I am delighted to be joined by Oge Udensi, the Director and Head of Cyber Governance, Risk and Compliance at SMBC EMEA Group. Oge, welcome to the show. Thank you, Munya. It's an absolute pleasure to be here with you. I'm really, really excited about the conversation that we're going to have. And I think this is going to be a real treat for our listeners, just because of your background and some of the research that you've done. But before we dive deep into any of that, you know, could you just give us a glimpse of your story and your journey? And how do you end up as the director and head of cyber governance and compliance? What has that journey been like? And please go back as far as you would like and just kind of give us a glimpse of what kind of app one has to tread to end up in this position. Of course, I'll try not to go as far back as when I was born, but <laughs> um, but, but uh, I, I started in a conventional way. Uh, so my degrees are in computer network engineering. Um, I did a second degree in cybersecurity with, with a focus on financial sector and how the financial sector implements and secures the technologies where they build it in-house versus where it's outsourced wholly and fully. So it's it's been more of a conventional journey into cybersecurity for me. And and I started when it was about network security. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't really about, you know, how how do we secure our cyberspace and how do we secure our people or how do we get our people to understand security? It was just more about how do we secure the networks? How do we build firewalls? And how do we build, you know, build up our data centers? So I used to be a data center network engineer. I uh, remember my days in, in server rooms over overnight, you know, doing DR testing, disaster recovery testing, and, and business continuity testing. And so that was the focus of my career when I started. But the, the thing that changed for me particularly was when I started working in a large financial institution, uh, my first real job, I started to really understand that the people played a really big role in how, you know, how, whether or not the security capabilities that you have will work. And, and instead of dawning on me that, you know, it's not about being in a data center for 24-7, but it's about how people interact with the technology that you build. So that was a really turning point in my career. And I started, I, I, my, my first question was, how does a business use technology? How does a business stay secure? And how can I communicate that effectively to the business? And, and so my career started from this very technical place where I was excited about building and I was excited about the zeros and the ones and, and you know, and coding and writing network scripts. Uh, and it transitioned into who am I building this for and how are they using it? And what does it really mean for the business to use technology and to understand security? And uh, that led me into being a consultant. 
so I moved from building and building uh, security and tech to working as a resilience manager for a consulting firm. And I worked with quite a lot of financial institutions. And my focus was, how do I connect the business to technology and security? And who is responsible for what and why and when? And that really opened me up to a lot of you know, how things operate, how it affects your bottom line, how security affects the bottom line, which is how within the financial sector we are wired. <laughs> so, so, and, and starting to be, or being in that world meant that I started to understand how the business use it and how people respond to it. And so it's sort of, I'd say transitioning sort of into the business and the people uh, versus the technology. And after spending a few years as a consultant, I moved into UK finance, uh, where I led advocacy on cybersecurity, on cloud and innovative technology across the financial sector and how, how regulation can help, but how regulation can be proportionate to the risk that we uh, that we find ourselves being faced with within the sector. Uh, again, a really interesting time in my career because I was really focused on the people. I was engaging with um, the government, uh, engaging with the regulators within the UK, engaging with regulators outside of the UK within EU as well. And this was a post-Brexit time. And so there was a, you know, there's a lot of conversation around what does it mean for data to transfer? Or what does it mean for you know, for reporting of cybersecurity incidents? What does it mean for people within, within cybersecurity? And, and uh, it's led me to where I am now, uh, heading up, you know, cyber GRC, which I, I, th I think is sort of full circle because the combination of my te technical understanding of technology and cybersecurity, uh, but also that sort of people element and compliance with regulatory expectations. Okay, that's fascinating. And you will know at CyberSafe that we really, really prioritize the human aspect and the people element as part of our core thesis as a business. So I can't wait to get into some of the work you've done specifically in this area, because I know, again, it'll be a real treat for our users. But before we jump into that, you are the director and head of CyberGRC. What does that mean? And what does a day in the life of a director and head of CyberGRC actually look like in an organization such as SMBC or perhaps in the EMEA group? I wish somebody would tell me. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> but it, it's really interesting because sort of the, 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 uh, the traditional definition of, you know, GRCs, governance, risk, compliance. So what are, from a governance standpoint, policies, standards, procedures, processes that enable cybersecurity function? From a risk standpoint is identification of all of the, the key risks across the, the, the organization that may or may not impact on operational and business continuity and how we do business. And compliance, of course, being the regulatory arm. So how do we ensure we stay compliant with regulatory expectations across the region? But also how do we ensure that we stay compliant with or on, on par with industry standards. How are our people, you know, how are other banks responding to cyber threats and, and how are they dealing with the people aspect of cybersecurity? And how do we make sure that we are engaging and, you know, matching up, if not surpassing where we need to on some of the cyber capabilities? 
So, so that is a traditional sort of definition of, of what my role is. Okay, okay. And, 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 and how big is your team? Do you have a team? How does that organize itself around you? So I do, I do have a team and I also have dotted lines. So my team specifically deals with the risk and, and the compliance, but I also have a dotted line into compliance, of course, because compliance is a separate team and, and my team feeds in as an SME on compliance. So we make sure we, we stay on track on the wider regulatory landscape, but we focus on just cybersecurity. So that, that's a dotted line. Then from a governance standpoint, there's also another dotted line to you know, senior management and to board uh, because you know, cybersecurity policies must feed up into organizational-wide, enterprise-wide policies and standards. And, and so there's another dotted line that way. But, but I have a, a team that works on every part of cybersecurity governance, risk and compliance. And to a large extent as well, I cover technology. And so how does technology governance from, you know, infrastructure feed into the cybersecurity elements cyber as a scenario across the technology landscape? You know, you could look at physical security. It's not cyber, but it does affect your technology and potentially could affect your cybersecurity. So there's sort of there, there's an ecosystem that that I sort of <laughs> I try to navigate and I try to point people in the right directions across my team. Wowza. I mean, that sounds like a complex network of teams that are, you know, focused on, on this work. We will come to boards um, later in our conversations, but I want to go back to uh, the previous work you did with uh, UK Finance to shape and drive cyber innovation within the financial sector. Do you think financial services institutions are evolving their thinking and approach when it comes to the human aspect of cyber risk? <laughs> This is this is really interesting because, like you said, when I was at UK Finance, we I, I co-wrote a paper on language and how it's used in cybersecurity, and we'll talk about that in, in a minute. But th there was a particular we we ran uh, um, we we asked a question. We ran a survey, and and we asked about whether or not certain organisations were aware of the impact of language and how that support does not support inclusivity or cultural, uh, or cultural awareness or how that affects the culture of an organization and the people within the organization. And 53% of organizations acknowledge the impact of language with their people and the impact of, of the culture when it comes to cybersecurity. Uh, and about 27% said no, and others had either no opinion or were still forming their thoughts around it. And so it's, it's very clear to see that there is progress in the sector. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that are driving progress in the sector and you know, advocacy and conversations that are had across cybersecurity where we're moving from, it's not a technical thing, it's more a people thing than it's ever been before. And, you know, we are getting there. There is a lot of work that's left to be done across the sector. But from my experience, there, a lot of people are receptive. A lot of organizations have started already to implement, you know, capabilities and processes and, and roll out specific tooling and activities that support the people part of their cybersecurity workforce. 
I think that's 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 really encouraging as 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 members of this security community. It excites me uh, personally and the organisation that I that I work with to see that progress and that evolution from 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 FSIs. And I think that's something that I think will only continue to accelerate because of the important work that you that you did. You, you touched on the fact that you wrote that fascinating paper on the use of language within cybersecurity. And, you know, within, within security culture, there's a growing movement and lobby to change the language we use. And, you know, I'm going to throw out some things here and just get your reaction to that language. You know, for example, we've known for a long time that, you know, certain reports come out quite frequently and label uh, people as the weakest link in, in security infrastructure. And we talked about the idea of how people fail phishing tests. What do you think? Uh, about about that kind of you know, specific examples of language like that, and and how is it hurting or or hindering our progress as 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 an industry? I mean, you you've pointed out a very very key part of, of of the problem, which is you know when you fail in quote a phishing test and it's reported as failure, that you know that is that's not just a moral a morale re- reduction mechanism basically because you look at something and go oh I failed it. You know, there's something about that 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 lands, and and so you it could it could lead to a few things. One, where you're trying to find ways in which you try not to fail it, not that you're learning anything from it, but you want to circumvent the process to get to the response where you pass it, um, and then it's a tick, it's a compliance tick that oh yeah, I've passed this. And two is where you actually go, I, f- I feel like I'm rubbish at this. Why why bother? And so, so you find those two outcomes when you put forward a thing like, oh, you failed this test. You need to redo it to pass it. And if you don't pass it, then you haven't completed your information security and awareness training. And, and that language does not help because we're not focused on the right things. And it's important that the right thing is about the behavior of the person and the behavior of the person looking and watching or conducting that assessment or test versus the response to the test. Do you know what? I think you're absolutely right. And 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 there was another language kind of stimulus that 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 hit me yesterday. I was reading some um, an article from one of our industry kind of magazines, and and the title of this one was something like "People are still too gullible <laughs> and are exposing <laughs> their organizations to unnecessary risk." And 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 you know, it it did kind of provoke a reaction in me because. You know, the, you know, the human aspect has become the largest attack vector for sure, uh, but not because people are gullible or lazy or or the weakest link. Uh, the, 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 there are there are so many um, other ways that we could kind of, uh, um, you know, bring to the attention of our of our of our colleagues the fact that you know the, the bad actors are really quite innovative Very good. at trying to in, yeah at trying to uh, gain unauthorized access to information through through our work practices what, what do you think about that no I, I i would definitely agree with you that that it's it's not about the, the you know it's not about the people it's the the technology will continue you know you know how many mal types of malware that we see on an hourly basis you know i used to work in the security operating center as a threat analyst and the names that we walk through every day just kept changing. You know, they're, they're very intelligent attackers out there that they are people themselves. They're not robots. And, you know, <laughs> they are people who are highly skilled and, ha- and understand how humans function. And they're using it to create more sophisticated means of attacking. And, and so it's, it's not about people being gullible. It's about how do you communicate 
what the potential attack vectors look like, the sources, the impact of, of the attack, and how do you drive change? I would, I would also say this, within the financial sector, we, we have traditionally looked at cybersecurity as a technology problem, and it's not. It, it, for me, personally, I have a mandate to empower the business. So how can I empower the business and the people in the, across the business to have a better understanding of the impact of cybersecurity on their business and on them as individuals? And, th- and that's, that's right. the change that's right. that needs to happen. I think you're absolutely right. And because we've traditionally viewed this as a technology problem, we got quite good at technology defense. Yes. Uh, and But then yeah. the bad actors realized this and then they focused their attack on, on the people. And, 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 and now we obviously have to catch up and, and transform it. I've got, you know, we could talk all day about this, but as a security leader with responsibility for communicating and reporting to business leadership, what are your thoughts on the measures we currently lean on to assess cyber risk? Uh, that um, that are introduced to the organization through the human aspect, and 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 are those measures sufficient in in the context of what we just talked about? It's this is this is a it's a double edged sword, I would say, because, because you know, I I am responsible for those measures as well. <laughs> right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to pick my words very. No, I I am joking. I I will say honestly that. We measure it, the way we measure cybersecurity presently, and a lot of organizations are doing the same thing, is it's about sort of the numbers. So, so we're saying, you know, what does it mean to be a 2.5 versus a 3 versus a 4 versus, you know, because we use maturity models and we, we look at sort of our cybersecurity maturity and we use numbers. And so we say, oh, we are at a 3, that's okay, but we need to get to a 4. What do we do to get to a four, right? And, and, and when we look at, you know, sections that have to do with training and awareness and governance, especially, we apply that same lens uh, and we reduce it to one, you know, one or two deck slides that show, you know, pictorial view of the numbers, the colors, the reds, ambers and greens. And we say, oh, this is the risk. Uh, this is how mature we are in control to so mitigate the risk. Um, and this is what we need to do if we want to improve on that. Now, there is benefit in doing that because that gives us what good looks like and how we need to achieve what good looks like. But what's underneath that, especially from a people standpoint, is not always present. What's underneath the numbers and how we measure cybersecurity is not reflective of behavioral change and an understanding of cybersecurity across the workforce. And that's where there's some difference. Naturally, then I would have to say to you or ask you, if you could have a magic wand, what metrics would you like to have or incorporate into your models to be able to reflect that risk that's carried that today perhaps may not be as prominent as, as, it, as it could be? Okay, um, because I am a technology person, I would want a data-driven metric, but I would want it to be on, I want, I want it to be intelligent. I want a, a data-driven metric that intelligently looks at be- behavioral change and targets behavioral change as it relates to information security and awareness training. 
So not just about how many people cleared their desk uh, per day. And yay, we've, we've met this metric of, you know, mine, less than two people out of 100 follow the clear desk policy. I think there is there's more of an intelligent data driven process underneath it that we so that the metric is the metric but what's underneath that metric is what's important to me so how can i use that data that i get from you know wherever source how many people are clicking on a link or how many people are completing this the awareness training but I want that to be focused on how has that improved the behavior from said person over time. So that that, that, that trend, because that, that then influences the outcome for me, which is what type of training do we then need to do to supplement what we have in place? And for me, that's the action out of what's underneath that metric. So it's not just, you know, write the metric, track it. No, no, no. It's how can I get some trend analysis out of the metric that informs supplementary training, that informs, you know, better awareness, that informs the action that we take, targeted, general, senior management, privilege, whatever type of awareness and training needs to come off the back of that. That's where we move to. I think that's fascinating. And and of course, you know, for our listeners will know that we have SEBDB, the Security Behaviors Database, um, where we are helping organizations to understand that evolution uh, in terms of robustness and security behavior instincts. And and I think that's exactly right. So it's not it's one thing to to have a score. It's another thing to say the implication or the action off the back of that score is that we can offer by design, not by default this kind of training to this particular user group or, or you know this particular segment of our organization and I, and I think that's the way things are going so I'm excited and delighted that you you share that view but coming back to boards and executives because you know oftentimes we could have that view you know we've still got to get some buy-in don't we from uh, from from the strategic initiatives of the business do you think there's an opportunity or a, a better way to educate and support our boards uh, when it comes to understanding cyber security, at least the human aspect? And if so, what, what, what are some of the ideas that you think could help there? I will share some of my, my secrets. <laughs> please, please. Um, I told our listeners that they would be in for a treat. So um, here it comes. Here it comes, people. So, so I, I, am, I am very realistic about speaking with the board about you know, issues and remediation and actions. And so you all, I always start the discussion with, this is the impact to the business and this is the impact to the financials. That is consistent because we are a bank and at the end of the day, <laughs> we are about making money. So what, what impedes the ability for us to make money and what impact on our risk is, you know, the security and, and how can we tie that back but then as what we're saying sort of as part of continuous improvement and as part of cultural awareness and, and you know, and then you bring in the culture following that. So you say, this, these are the numbers. This is the problem. This is how that impacts on culture. And we know culture is an important thing for the board. They always want to understand how cybersecurity impacts on the culture of the organization. 
And so you pull in culture and say, we are engaging employees in this way, um, but this is not giving us the right metric or the right outcome. This is not helping. And, you know, this is what we need to do to be better. And, you know, this is this is the action behind it. So I always start with the, with the, with the financials. I go into the risk. Uh, and I go into business and operational continuity, and then I go into culture. And that's that is a, that's the journey I take them on because it hooks them and they go, oh, yes, this is important. This is serious. These are the numbers behind it. This is what we need to do to rectify, remediate. And this is how we need to continually improve the culture of the of the organization and how people play a role within that improvement. That is fascinating and fantastic to hear because I think you're right. When when I've seen it not work well is when we go very, very quickly into a rabbit hole of data and metrics that are unrelated to the core business and the risk that the business carries as a result of some of these incidents that may or may not occur inside the organization, at least from a security perspective. So uh, to our listeners, you know, that's one fantastic piece of advice. Just, you know, level up the the, the language and the conversation to to, to the to the things that really matter, the the meat and potatoes of a bank are about making money, and if you start there, you will get a lot of support about how to actually, you know, drive that change or that continuous improvement. It, it, as you say, it's an elevator pitch thing. You gotta you gotta hook them in somehow. <laughs> you know, you walk into the elevator with a board member. What's the first thing you say? The impact to your business. You know, this is how it affects your bottom line. The culture is important, you know, but that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to ask one more question, please, for our listeners. What is your one piece of advice about being a leader in this space at this point in time? You know, we know that, you know, there were recessionary pressures. The world's been through a bit of a tough time. How do you, how do you, how do you keep yourself going? What do you, how do you kind of maintain that level of enthusiasm? and focus on this important work? What would you say to our listeners? I have been accused within my, my, uh, within my company presently of being extremely enthusiastic about everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means, but I'll take the positive out of it. <laughs> I think it's a very positive thing, I have to say. Exactly. But, but I, I think it's the acknowledgement that innovation is here to stay. Technology is here to stay. And, and, and so it's how do we evolve with that technology and how do we as people continually evolve with it? And, and, it's, and a lot of what I do presently within my team and across the, the organization is a lot of listening. I do a lot of what is the problem and, and, I, and, I, and I listen in the context of not how can I help you solve the problem, but how can I walk you through finding the solution to the problem yourself? And so there, there are a few takeaways for me personally, acknowledging, you know, from the start, technology is here to stay. Innovation will continually be important across the financial sector. Cybersecurity will continually evolve across the financial sector. It's not going anywhere. It's about how do we evolve with it? How do we as people evolve our culture? And how do we engage with the workforce as technology and cybersecurity evolves? Because you don't want to give a time and place training. You don't want to say, this is what the problem is. 
get trained on it. That that does not solve the problem because like we talked about already, something will happen the next hour. So are you going to just keep bombarding people with things to do? No. So it's, uh, it's understanding that and, and meeting people where they are. I really like that. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, there you have it, folks. The power of listening. That's one new one we've not heard before, but I think it's absolutely profound. Okay, I can only uh, thank you for your time. Uh, you've been very generous with it. Uh, to our listeners, my guest today has been Oge Udenti, uh, Director and Head of Cyber Governance, Risk and Compliance at SMBC EMEA Group. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for those uh, insights and that wisdom. And hopefully we'll have you back on the show very soon. Thank you, Munya. It's been an absolute pleasure. Awesome.